But it is, it, it's, it's always a pleasure to be with y'all. And, and what I'll do with this is, is I'll talk through some of the, the root causes that we're seeing um, with the immigration crisis that's happening right now. And then talk about steps that the executive branch should be taking to resolve this and other things Congress should be doing as, as well. This starts with the root causes is lack of economic opportunities and violence in the Northern Triangle. That's El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras. You have to imagine what, how bad is your situation that you would put your child in a coyote's hand and have them go on a perilous 4,000 mile journey somewhere to meet a distant relative, right? That's how bad the situation is in those countries. So the way we're going to solve this long term is we have to address violence and lack of economic opportunities in those three countries. And the way we do that is we should establish a special representative for the Northern Triangle, a senior diplomat. And then we have a special representative um, dealing with uh, the, you know, the Taliban in Afghanistan and negotiating there, the Zalman Khalasan. We should be doing the same thing when it comes to the Northern Triangle. And that senior diplomat should be working with those three countries, um, as well as the rest of the Western Hemisphere, because this is not just a U.S. or Mexico problem. This is a problem for the entire Western Hemisphere, and the entire Western Hemisphere needs to be engaged in this activity. This special representative should be working with OPEC. OPEC should be our counter to the One Belt, One Road initiative of the Chinese. OPEC should be the one helping doing infrastructure projects throughout, throughout Latin America. We should be working with USAID, and the person that should not be going to those countries and negotiating things is the head of the Department of Homeland Security. The head of the Department of Homeland Security should be here working on border security, not negotiating deals with those three countries. That's why you have diplomats, so a special representative for this unique challenge. And by the way, Mexico has a lot of these challenges as well. So that's addressing the root causes. The second thing that is driving this is everybody who is coming to this country illegally is being treated as an asylum seeker. When you, when you treat everybody as an asylum seeker, you put them into our immigration legal system, which is already backed up, takes five years to go through that process. So that is what is creating this backlog that we're starting to see. Now, 2016, ACLU said it would require 524 immigration judges in order to get rid of the backlog that was in 2016. And it was going to take five years with an additional 528 um, um, immigration judges, excuse me, immigration judges. That backlog now is almost to a million. So we don't have enough, we don't have enough immigration judges. I also think we need to change the strategy and do a, a last in, first out. So the people that are coming here right now, illegally, those are the first people we should try and get through and, and, and deport because that sends the message back to folks that are thinking about, hey, my buddy, my cousin, my whatever just got here. Right? That's one way we need to change. We need those additional judges. Congress has already passed um, money to fund this, um, but the administration hasn't started hiring those judges to, to deal with that, that throughput. Why are they treating everybody like an asylum seeker? Because what's been happening is five days after in custody, 
you have somebody that came from Tegucigalpa in a room with 200 people, and those 200 people start sharing the word, hey, say you're, you're, you have credible fear of going back home, and then they have to handle, they, they, you've got to treat you like an asylum seeker. Well, the way the law is written, the person adjudicating whether someone should be, you know, should go through the system for, um, uh, for asylum or not, you can take the credibility of the individual into your decision. So if 400 people are using the exact same story, guess what? That's called fabrication, right? And so, so the, we're not using the existing legal system. Now, my, many of my friends will say, well, we need to fix Flores. We need to fix TVPRA. Those were laws from 2008 and 2011. These are not new laws. It wasn't like the last administration when they left the building, they changed the laws and fixed it. It is a change in interpretation of those laws that is creating part of this backlog. And we all know what the backlog is. 144,000 people last month came and were apprehended. So let me tell you this. One Border Patrol agent, you're, talk, you're hearing about um, the largest number of large groups, right? I think it was 39 groups of over 100 people were captured last month. One Border Patrol agent cannot chase down 100 people. What is happening when they're getting here, these large groups are surrendering to Border Patrol because they know that they're all going to be treated like asylum seekers and they just have to wait two weeks and they're going to be able to get a bus to ticket to, to Chicago to go up and be with a sponsor. So 144,000 people came in and surrendered to Border Patrol. To give context to that number, that's one month, that was last month. All of last year, we apprehended 400,000 people. To date, up to the end of May, 491,000 people have come, have been, have been captured coming into this country. Those are insane numbers. Now, what the other thing that is causing, you're seeing the spike. So last month was 144,000. The previous month was 109,000. The month before that was 103,000. And I think the month before that was like in the late 80s. Um, so why are you seeing that increase as well? Kingpin human smugglers have gotten smart and improved their infrastructure to move people from point A to point B. It is not easy to get from Tegucigalpa to El Paso. Before a trip was taken about 21 days, and a, and a human smuggler was it was costing $7,000, and you gave that smuggler $7,000, and you get three tries. Why were they given three tries? Because most of the times they were getting caught and being deported. Now, with everybody being accepted, you know, as an asylum seeker, we're making the job of the human smugglers easier, because their success rate is 100 percent. So what does that mean? I'm a human smuggler. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to invest in a bus system and start moving people in bulk because every seat on that bus is seven grand. That's better than, that's, you know, the old Concorde, right? You know, uh, so you're, you're, they're starting to generate a whole lot of money. So we should, so the second thing we should be doing immediately, the National Security Advisor should make countering human smuggling a the number one or one B issue so that we improve collection on these groups so then we can work with our allies in Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras 
to stop this before it actually gets to our borders? And if the answer is that DHS should be doing that, well, no, DHS is not an international intelligence organization. They should be collecting and they should be debriefing the people that are coming in here illegally to get that information, and that should be passed to NSA, CIA, and FBI in order to do the collection. And ultimately, the CIA should be working with our allies in those regions to stop this problem in those countries. That's another issue. Now, what Congress can be doing is we should be refreshing our asylum laws. Our asylum laws were based in the 80s. 80s, you know, you know, asylum laws made in the 80s is not going to solve the current crisis. To a, a, a get asylum, you have to be part of one, uh, you have to be in one of five protected classes. And then you have to prove that you're being prosecuted by, or persecuted, excuse me, persecuted by the government. Or if you're being persecuted by other groups, let's say a terrorist group or a, a, a violent gang, you have to prove that the government is unwilling and can't protect you. Right? That, those, are, those are the international rules for, for asylum. Only about 12% of people when they apply for asylum in the United States is actually getting asylum. Right? That they're being able to prove that case. So usually in, in the rest of the world, you apply for asylum in the location in the country that is next to the country you're from. That's why there's, most of the Syrian refugees are based in Jordan. So if you're not applying for asylum in the country next to where you are leaving, and then you can transit a country like Mexico, and you don't apply for asylum there, and then you show up in between our ports of entry, your motivations are not pure. There's about, there's a couple of hundred Cubans that are waiting in um, a small town in Mexico because they're seeking asylum. Now, uh, two months ago, 90% of the people that were coming here illegally were coming from, from, the, the, uh, from the Northern Triangle. Now you're starting to see people come from Africa, you're starting to see people come from other places because the word's out, this is an easier way to apply for asylum. And so they're traveling to wherever, meeting with these kingpin human smugglers and getting smuggled into, into our country. Right? So we should, and this is where Congress should come in and tweak and streamline some of our asylum, some of our asylum laws as well. So, so identifying a special representative, focusing intelligence collection on this problem, addressing it there, tightening up our asylum laws. These are all steps that we should be taking.